Beautiful. Back in uh, November of 2020, as another four-week coronavirus lockdown was being announced in England, the UK division of Burger King was flooded with praise after it released on Twitter this statement. It said, order from McDonald's. We've never thought we would ask you to do this, just as we never imagined we would ask you to order from KFC, Subway's, Domino's Pizza, Pizza Hut, Five Guys, Greg's, Taco Bell, Papa John's, or any of the other independent food outlets, too numerous to mention here. In short, order from any of our sister food chains. Restaurants employing thousands of staff really need your support at the moment. So if you want to help, Keep treating yourself to tasty meals through home delivery, takeaway, or drive through Getting a Whopper is always best, but ordering a Big Mac is also not such a bad thing. Well, Burger King was praised for that very classy move because they had risen above the divisiveness of the pandemic as well as the competitiveness of their industry for the sake of the industry as a whole. They recognize something that too many churches forget. As the body of Christ, we may be different and diverse in a lot of ways, but we are all in this together as the body of Christ. I invite your attention with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will look at verses 12 through 27 this morning and talk about this um, description of the church that Paul shares with us here. If you're able and willing, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And I'll read this passage for us from the New International Version. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 12 of chapter 12, the Bible tells us the body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. 
If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Thank you. Would you take your seats, please? <clears throat> if you've spent much time studying First and Second Corinthians, you know that the church in Corinth was a fractured fellowship. Now, there were divisions that existed there, and Paul didn't waste much time addressing them. He says, some of you claim to be followers of Apollos. Some of you say, I follow Paul, while still others say, I follow Christ. He said, it really shouldn't be that way. But as a result of Paul's correspondence, we have become heirs of a magnificent metaphor for the church. A metaphor for how we understand and relate to one another and to Christ. You see, Paul tells us the church is a body, the body of Christ, and the Lord Himself is the head of that body. Now, he starts out in this passage talking about the unity of the body in verses 12 and 13. He says the body is a unit has many parts, but there's just one body. It's like the old Peanuts cartoon where Linus is in the living room watching television and Lucy comes in and demands that he change the channel. And Linus asks, uh, what makes you think you can just come walking in here and take over? She says, these five fingers. She said, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. <laughs> Linus says, well, what channel do you want? <laughs> but then he turns aside, he looks at his own fingers, he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> well, that's funny because we know our fingers are not apart from us, separate from us. They are a part of our body, our, our unified whole. We still operate as a body. Now, how can that work? It works because each part of the body is under the control of the head, of the brain. Parts of our bodies that don't follow the instructions of our heads, uh, we call an injury, we call disease. We call that something less than full health. When the body parts don't follow the leadership of the head, chaos results. A healthy church operates as a unit, together as a body, with Jesus Christ as the head. God never intended that the parts of our bodies rebel against our heads, nor is there any intention on God's part that the parts of His body, Christ's body, rebel against Christ, who is the head of His church. We are one. We are one spirit, one body, it says in verse 13. Over in Ephesians, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. Paul emphasizes the unity of the body, and in particular, the body of Christ. The key to a unified fellowship in the body is submission to the headship of Christ. 
and following Christ's lead, following His teachings, following His example. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he's got to learn to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus denied himself on our behalf. Jesus sacrificed himself for the good of the body. How willing are we to follow his example, follow his teaching, set aside what we want for the good of the body? Because the body is a unit, and we are all in this together. Paul goes on in the next verses to talk about the interdependence of the body. Because as members of the body of Christ, we need each other. We are not islands unto ourselves. We are interdependent. In Corinth, there was some dissent and division over spiritual gifts. Some of them had uh, more showy, more public spiritual gifts, and they began to look down on those who didn't, began to think of themselves as somewhat special, somewhat better, perhaps, than those who didn't have the same gifts they did. And Paul unequivocally condemns that kind of thinking. A church with a healthy fellowship doesn't have members in competition with one another but members who help one another and support one another and edify one another, to use a biblical word, build one another up. That's what real unity and fellowship are all about. For a lot of years, scientists were baffled by the mystery of floating fire ants. When you drop one fire ant into some water, he's going to flounder and struggle and eventually sink and die. But when the fire ants band together, they form life rafts that help them survive the flash floods that happen in the Brazilian rainforests where they predominate. As a unified raft, they use their bodies, they hold on to one another. They can even travel for months without reaching dry land, taking advantage of the air pockets that are created when they're together with one another. An article in the Los Angeles Times summarizing the research study concluded, the research sheds light on how deeply social insects act together, almost as if they're part of a superorganism. As one scientist said, the individuals acting together create this awareness of the environment that no individual ant has. The whole is more than the sum of its parts, in other words. Same is true of the church. When we're together, we have an awareness of our environment that no one member has. Because we all have blind spots that we can't see, that others do. They can help us with ours. We can help them with theirs. And it works if we do it in the love of Christ. If fire ants can do it, can't we? Aren't we as bright as an insect with a brain that can't be any bigger than that because that's how big the fire ants are? I think we are. I think we can. Paul says that all parts of the body are valuable for two reasons in particular. One is that all parts are necessary. In verses 21, 22, 
uh, one part of the body, you know, the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Head can't say to another part, I don't need you. Because we need each other. The body is together. In the church, we need everybody, not just gifted ones in special ways or, or prominent ones. We need everybody. Believe it or not, we even need those who are broken, who are hurting, who are needy, because they teach us how to be the hands and feet of Christ. They teach us how to be ministers in the Lord's name. So we need everybody, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what your gift may be. We are all necessary. But also, we all have a unique role. Verses 17, 18, 19. If the whole ear or the whole body were an, were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? If a whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Uh, Paul says we all have a role to play. The eye does what the eye does. The ear does what the ear does. The nose does what the nose does, and so forth. And so it is in the body of Christ. You have a unique role in this church, even if you don't realize it. There's an old story about a mountain village in Europe several centuries ago that had a wealthy nobleman who, as he aged, began to wonder what kind of a legacy he could give to his village and community. And he decided he would build a church. And so he did. He didn't let anyone see the plans or tour the building before it was finished. But when it was finished, he called the whole village in to, to see the church, and they were amazed. They were marveling at the beauty of it and the, the quality and the construction of it. But then someone said, hey, wait a minute, where are the lamps? How will there be light in here? Well, the nobleman pointed to some brackets in the walls, and then he gave every family a lamp that they were supposed to bring with them when they came together for worship. He said, each time you're here, the area where you are and where you sit will be lighted, the nobleman said. Each time you're not here, that area will be dark. And this is to remind you that wherever, whenever you fail to come to church, some part of God's house will be dark. Think of the wisdom of that. You know, when you're here, your place is illuminated. You, you shine for the rest of us. But when you're not, your place is dark. There is no light there because you're not there. Fulfilling your role and your place in the body, in God's church. And we miss you. Not only that, when you're, when you're not gathering with others, you're, you're like a coal that is set apart from the fire. It, your soul grows just a bit colder and just a bit darker. It becomes just a bit easier to be apart from the body rather than together, united with the body. We need each other. Not only is the body interdependent, the body is also a family. The body of Christ is also the family of God. You've heard it called that. And a healthy family, like a healthy body, has members who care for each other and support each other. Look at verses 25 and 26. 
At the, at the end of verse 25, it says, its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. It's like uh, the illustration I, I use for it is, is when you hit your thumb with a hammer. If you're hanging a picture and the hammer slips and it hits your thumb, the rest of the body doesn't say, ha ha, you got hurt. The rest of the body helps. This hand comes over and grabs it like this. The face grimaces. The feet start to dance and the tongue has to say something. <laughs> tongue never wants to be left out. It may or may not be helpful. But that's how the body responds. It helps. Okay, well, if it helps, <laughs> then go for it. The body is a unit. It's together. If one part hurts, every part hurts. If one part is honored, every part is honored because we are a part of each other. You know, the church was uh, on the front page of the John City Press yesterday morning. Did you see that? From the quilt show that we had in here raising money for Ukraine. I was like, yeah, go, go church. And I didn't have a thing to do with it. <laughs> but the, the folks who put that together, the folks who, who loaned their quilts and did the work to display all of that, that's a win for everybody. That's a win for us. Because when one is honored, all are honored. That's what it is to be a body, a family, every interaction that we have with one another, whether it involves praise or rebuke, ought to be couched in love with mutual concern for the well-being of the body of Christ, the body of Christ which is His church. We are in it together as the church, the body of Christ. It is the church for which Christ died to create it, to establish it, to grow it. It is His church for which He is concerned. It is His church that is His priority. Not parachurch organizations, though they may be good and wonderful and be doing uh, fantastic things. It is the church that concerns Christ. Not the culture wars, not political parties, not nations or states, but the church is Christ's priority. When He returns, it will be for the church, not for these other groups, not for these other concerns. And anything that does not build up the church and edify the church, but instead detracts from it and, and seeks to lessen it, that is not of God. Because the church is the body of Christ, the family of God. And it is Christ's urgent desire that the church thrive and be strong and influential in this lost world. That's why Christ brought us together as the church, as His body. And woe be unto anyone who seeks to harm or divide Christ's church. When we bear one another's burdens, as well as rejoice in each other's triumphs, then we are a truly healthy body. And when we are as quick to defend our family in the faith as we are our family in the flesh, then we'll know we're a healthy and united church, the body of Christ, the family of God, what God called us together to be.
I want to finish with a, a football story. Uh, it was written up by Roy Exum 40 years ago in the Chattanooga News. He called it my favorite football story, but really in the end it's not all that much about football. It was about the 1978 Orange Bowl in Miami after the 1977 college football season. In those days, bowls were selected in a different way than they are today with the playoff system and all of that that they have. And the University of Arkansas had been invited to play the University of Oklahoma. Now, in those days, Oklahoma was a football powerhouse. They were, that year, ranked number two in the nation. And Arkansas, not so much. They were more of a, an also-ran, if you will, but they had a, a coach that was stellar in his ability to bring a team together. Lou Holtz was the coach of the Arkansas Razorback team. But shortly before the game, some of Holtz's players violated team rules, and he felt like integrity demanded that he suspend his three best players and not allow them to play in the Orange Bowl. Injury sidelined a fourth player, and so the talk all across the country was that Arkansas didn't have a prayer against the Oklahoma Sooners. When the team plane landed in Miami, Arkansas was already a 21-point underdog. Holt says the practices they had that week were some of the worst in their history. So Holt called a meeting. He brought together all of the team, all the players, all the assistant coaches, everyone together. He said all the talk was about their problems, how they didn't stand a chance of winning the game. He said he knew all the reasons why they couldn't win, and now he wanted to hear the reasons they could win. He talked about how in his family they praised one another for special accomplishments, and that the best part was one-by-one -one compliments that had to be sincere when they gathered together around the dinner table. So after a pause, he said, now... We're going to do the same thing. Well, uh, an offensive lineman stood up. He congratulated the defense for being nationally ranked all year long. Another player got up and said how much it meant to the team that Steve Little, their field goal kicker, was the best field goal kicker in America. And then a small running back named Roland Sales stood up. He said, you know, I haven't practiced well this week because I haven't felt well. But I want each of you to know what a tremendous thrill it will be for me to play this game. I've never started in a game at running back, and playing with people as fine as you means more than anything else to me in all my life. Holt says it was at that very moment that the tide turned and the momentum shifted. And mighty Oklahoma, number two in the nation, had no idea what they were in for. Two evenings later in the game when it was played, Oklahoma received the opening kickoff, fumbled on their first possession, Arkansas recovered. On the first play from scrimmage, the quarterback, Ron Calcagney, kept the ball, ran for eight yards. But on second down, he handed the ball off to Roland Sales, and the first time in the game he touched the football, he ran for a touchdown. Later in the first quarter, behind almost perfect blocking, Sales had a 38-yard run. The rest of the game was almost anticlimactic. 
Arkansas beat Oklahoma 31 to 6 with 60 million people watching all over the country in stunned astonishment. This was not supposed to happen. Roland Sales set an Orange Bowl record with 205 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Because Lou Holtz had taken a team and turned them into a family, and the family had beaten the odds and won the victory. If we're going to beat the odds against a world that's lined up against us, if we're going to win the victory against a devil who would like nothing more than to divide us and defeat us and destroy us, then we're going to have to be a family as well, the body of Christ, all of us together caring for one another in the love of Jesus. Because that's what it means to be a family. And that's what it means to be a church. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you've called us together as your people in this place. We're thankful for the 153 years of history that Central Baptist Church has in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're grateful for the members of your body that have gone before us, the generations who have been the hands and feet of Jesus in this place. And I pray, God, that you might remind us of who we are as your people, who we are as the body of Christ. Remind us that we belong to each other, that we are a family. Whatever happens, whatever may come, no matter how frustrated we may get with one another from time to time, God, remind us that we are all in this together. And the more we can keep our focus and our attention on you, the more we will be pulled together to accomplish your purpose for us in this world. God, may you receive all the glory and the praise for it now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.